mighty and ever-living God, who for the Lord of us, you gave us Christ, to die on the cross for our salvation. King of glory, may the joys of Christmas, may the peace of Christmas, may the love of Christmas abide with us, even indwell in us as we get reconciled with you for our rebirth. This we ask of you through Christ our Savior. Amen. Amen. Let me use this rare opportunity of a Christmas day on Sunday to thank the chapel leadership led of course by Avika, the chaplains, chapel council for giving me this rare privilege. I know that as our archbishop will say each time we have this weekend uh, retreats with bishops who visit us he will tell them that he's aware and he was told that those bishops would come. And that if he didn't give approval, they will not be here. I am not unaware that this assignment was given to me when our former vicar, the Venerable Professor E.K., was here. But I know that the incumbent vicar could have, in his authority, cancelled it. But I thank God that he has not done so. Daddy, I thank you for this rare privilege of a lay person sharing the message of the joy of Christmas with all of us today. Praise the Lord. Well, our topic is, for unto us a son is given. It is taken from Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. And I'll read. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Now the prophecy of the birth of a child and the giving of a son, on whose shoulder the government shall be vested, was made by Prophet Isaiah, as we have read. And Isaiah was one, was a prophet of the then, you know, southern kingdom, which was Judea in those days. About the time that the northern kingdom of Israel fell in captivity to Assyria. So it was a time when the belligerent superpowers of those days were threatening Judah. And thus the prophecy when it came gave hope of God visiting his people and their being delivered, as it were, from the oppressions of those superpowers and from captivity. We are fairly familiar with the, with the Christmas story and the Christmas message. So we will not dwell much on... Uh, giving us the entire history, that we will not, nonetheless touch up very salient areas. Now, in that Isaiah chapter 9, if we look at verse 7, it also says, of the increase of his government, 
and peace there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Now, Isaiah is known as a Messianic prophet who predicted the coming of the Messiah, the anointed one, who would save God's people. Thus, we understood it as a reference to the coming Messiah, who, as Christians, of course, we refer and we hold as the Lord Jesus Christ. Now this will herald a blessed prince, a mighty king, a reign of peace. These promises resonated with the people and they expected the promise. And the prince to reign and to grow into a great king. And the reign was envisaged to be a physical reign and running of government that would deliver the people as it were physically at that time of captivity. However, at about that period also, the Babylonians took Judah into captivity and exile. And so you can imagine in the fate of such despair, in the fate of such circumstance, the people looked eagerly forward to a redeemer, a messiah who will come to deliver them. Now why were they given this kind of punishment? Or why did the almighty and ever-powerful God allow this to happen? That his people will be taken into captivity. If we read Second Kings at chapter 19, we will discover that the people relapsed into idolatry after the reign of King Hezekiah in those days. In fact, is King Hezekiah's son continued in this uh, idolatry to which his father distanced himself. Now, it was in this situation and this scenario that this prophecy came of a redeemer that is coming to redeem his people. In the New Testament also, if we read Matthew chapter 1 and verse 23, we will also see it foretold. Now behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. The fulfillment of this prophecy is also reported in the Synoptic Gospels of the Lord. But I would particularly like to take um, from the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ as recorded by St. Luke, chapter 2, if we read from verses 1 to 20. But we may not have all the time to do it. We have already sung from the ancient and modern, uh, number 62, which is a rehash of what is chronicled in that scripture. 
that the Virgin Mary gave birth to Christ, who was wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger. That in the region, there were shepherds in that region, um, keeping watch over their flocks. And the angel appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were afraid. The angel said, fear not. For I bring you good tidings. Not only for you, but for the entire world. And he said, for unto you is born this day in the city of David. A savior who is Christ the Lord. And the angel told them their signs. That you will find a child wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And the shepherds hurried and went and confirmed the revelation. And they came back to glorify God. They gave glory to God for this wonderful, wonderful event. That God remembered his people and sent his bizarre. Now, why we, may, why, we may ask, was the child born unto us? Why was a son given unto us? Now, Jesus was born to us because his birth was not just limited in blessing to his earthly parents, the Mary and Joseph. His birth was not only to give service as is the most accomplished servant leader, but to give his life a ransom for many. Mark 10 verse 45 So his blessing came as his birth came as a blessing to the entire world. And Christ was born as man, he didn't come as a king or ride in a chariot to descend from heaven onto earth. But he was born as a man by the Virgin Mary. He came as an infant and dwelt among men and became familiar with the feelings of man, with the struggles of man, and he lived earth with us. And so that is why in John 14, from where we read, that it was word made flesh and dwelt amongst us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So Christ came to us as a son given to us. It was specific that a son was given. God's son. For the love of us, he willingly gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish. They shall have everlasting life. John 3.16 
Now, how do we understand that the government will be upon the shoulders of the infant son Jesus? This shows that the baby Jesus that we mark today as his birthday could, would govern and reign eternally. And with all the power, with all authority in heaven and on earth given to him and vested in him. This was also declared by Christ himself in Matthew 28 verse 18. In Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6, we read that Christ will be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Now what could these appellations convey to us about the Messiah? When we say something is wonderful, we understand it to mean that it is beyond understanding. It is incomprehensible. As we say in Igbo, amama, amasi, amasi. That is the Messiah that was sent to us to deliver us. As counselor, we refer to someone with great wisdom. It connotes the wisdom of the future Messiah who men should not simply praise in the way they praise mere mortals. For instance, if His Excellency the Governor of Enugu should walk in here, we will praise him to high heavens because he occupies political position and he exercises political authority. Now, these are appellations that we give to mere mortals. But the difference with respect to Christ and the Messiah is that we adore him even in recognizing the wonders, the all-encompassing wisdom of Christ that escapes human comprehension. And this wisdom is demonstrated by Christ in his earthly ministry while here. Is it when you go to the Sermon on the Mount? Is it when he gives his teachings generally? They are full of wisdom. So superlatively given that sometimes it takes time for us to fully comprehend and understand them. When we describe the Messiah as a mighty God, it denotes divinity in an absolute sense. It is not just as a metaphor. When we describe the Messiah as the everlasting Father, it denotes absolute eternity with the Father and the Godhead. And when we, when we describe the Messiah as the Prince of Peace, this is firmly anchored on the conviction 
that peace and not war constitutes the essential attribute of the ideal kingdom of the Messiah. We recall the angelic chant, glory to God in the highest, peace on earth and goodwill towards men. Luke 2 verse 14. And the emphasis even of Christ in his earthly ministry is peace. And so in his sermon on the mount, he told us, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Matthew 5.19 He himself promised us that peace I live with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth. Give I unto you. John 14 at 27. In Mark 9.50, Christ said we should be at peace one with another. And even in Psalms 34.14, said we should pursue peace. We should seek peace and pursue it. So everywhere, Christ will always say, peace be unto you. Now, it follows, therefore, that this peacefulness is not clearly manifest in you and I. If this, if this peacefulness is not clearly manifest in you and I, then the reason would seem to be that the Lord's kingdom is yet to come unto you or unto your or my heart. And the critical question is, particularly as we celebrate Christmas, do you have this peace? Do I have this peace? Even as we shortly celebrate the communion. And this reminds me of some experience that we had in the past. In one of the churches, when it's always said, we will give ourselves a sign of peace. And uh, we usually sing, so in those days, people would look around before shooting out their hands to know whether they are really staying with uh, is a situation of Iran and Iraq. And if one discovers that somebody he harbors ill feelings about is on the right side, he dances towards the left and continues to exchange greetings on the left side and will later return to his seat. But I know that we don't have such things in this church. And so very shortly, in course of the Holy Communion, we will give peace to ourselves and we will see whether we will freely share it or we will do it according to the dictates of Iran and Iraq. That brings us to how really we celebrate Christmas. What is really the essence of Christmas? As we celebrate the birth of Christ. Is it only in merrymaking and in display of conspicuous opulence? We show that we have the means, take care of our families, and we show that you know we can provide for ourselves and our families. Do we take our thoughts to remember? That there are people who can't even get up from the bed. There are people who have nothing to eat. 
There are people who have no shelter over their heads. There are people who have converted the streets into their abode, their place of abode. Such people exist, even in a country that God has blessed so tremendously. Even among Christians who have benefited from the free love and free gift, because it is because God loved us that he freely gave us his son, his only son, to come and die for us and to save us. I remember in one of the Bible Bible studies of the Church of Nigeria, in one of our standing committees, shared by our Archbishop, the most, his grace, the most reverend professor, E. O. Chukuma, those days. He gave us an instance from what is described as a parable of the judgment, taken from St. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 25, from verses 31 to 46. There will be no time enough to read it. But it simply says, that time will come when there will be separation of the sheep from the goats. And then in judgment, the king would say, that I was hungry and you fed me. I had no clothes, you clothed me. I was in prison, you visited me and so on. And then, the righteous were retort, when were you hungry and we fed you? When were you in prison, we visited you, or naked and clean? Then he said, for doing it for one of the ones that are needy, you have done it for me. And to the others, they will turn and say, I was hungry. I was naked. I was in prison and all that. You never visited me. You never cared to visit me. So that shows... But at this time of Christmas, the love of our fellow human beings, the joy of giving as we were freely given, is also very critical. I do not know how many of us are taught the lives of people by our giving at this Christmas season. What of the Christmas message of joy? Joy to the world. Mm-hmm. Can the, fire, can the choir help me? Joy to the world. Thank you. Do we share the joy of Christmas? Have we even told somebody that Christ loves you? Have we shown the love of Christmas to our fellow human beings, even at this time of Christmas, to show joy? And I will share this little experience. You know, I had a rare visit by a distinguished couple, my father, my mother, in Christ. And when they came, one was insisting that they brought the other one so that we can jail him. 
I am a lawyer, and my wife is a magistrate. And so wherever we are, there is the court city. <laughs> As it were. And so one insisted we must jail the other. So I was taken aback. Because my area of specialization actually is in alternative dispute resolution. In seeking peace through arbitration, through mediation, through conciliation. It's like a ministry of Christ, ministry of reconciliation. So I was thinking about how could I, you know, uh, send somebody to, 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 to jail. And as a lawyer, I don't have the power, except my wife does so. And she cannot do that capriciously. It must be after a thorough hearing, fair hearing, that uh, such a sentence could be uh, passed. But in times of Christmas, when peace reigns, do we need to send people to jail when we want those who are in jail to also come out? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Do we preach him as enjoined in the Great Commission? Preaching Christ. Telling people Christ loves you. No matter the circumstance, Christ is with you. You see, such subtle encouragement, such sharing of the gospel, goes a long way into lifting the spirits of people, particularly those who are distressed, either due to ill health, or due to relative deprivation, or due to routing of their communities by no fault of theirs. Look at what is happening in Yamufu. People will wake up from sleep, and they are invaded by rampaging healthsmen. And people are killed and maimed and raped, and houses are burnt down, Entire communities are sacked. Oh God, for how long will this continue? As we celebrate Christmas, is Christ indwelling in our hearts as testimony of this birth of Christ? If he is not indwelling in us, or we are not sure. Or there is or we are not sure really. There is still opportunity to enable him reconcile us with God. So that his peace may reign in our hearts. Christ has come to reconcile us with God. As we sang in the hymn A M number sixty, we said he is born. That man no more may die. He is born to raise the sons of earth. He is born to give us the second rebirth. Are we having this reconciliation? So that we have this rebirth. Particularly on this day of Christ. This day that we mark the birth of Christ. His grace still abounds with us. And he is available to us even at this time. As we have heard read in cause of the preparation for the great for the great feast of holy communion, Christ remains our advocate. Beyond the advocacy of the lawyer, beyond the advocacy of village champions, beyond the advocacy of human capability, 
And he remains the propitiation for our sins, for our failings, for our misgivings of his grace. 1 John 2 verse 1. As we celebrate Christmas, may we show those virtues of Christmas that we so much know and so much cherish. And they are with us all the time. What is a sign that we do that? There are some times that we say, if not for Christ, we will just drop the Bible and show a piece of our nature. Particularly when we are angry. But the Bible says, how many times shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Is it once? Is it twice? How many times? Seventy times seven. So if we are keeping records, we must go each time by the wall and mark, my brother has sinned against me, I forgive him. And the next time we will go back and still mark until it is 70 times 7. I think the message is that we should learn from the infinitely wise and just God the virtue of forgiveness all the time. So as we celebrate Christmas, do we have our ill feelings against anybody? Do we have our ill feelings against anybody? Christ himself taught us that we should love those who hate us. Pray for our enemies. Let it be the message of Christmas. And our joy will be complete in the fullness of the presence of Christ. Praise the Lord. Shall we pray? Father, thank you for your word that has gone forth. We give ourselves in this period to reaching out to others with your love, to giving forgiveness freely, fully, unconditionally. Those of us that have two coats to give to him that has none, those of us that have more than two coats to do the same. And that, Father, as we interact with people, the message of Christ the Savior will go forth in power by our lives, by our words, to the glory of your name. Anoint afresh your son whom you have ministered through. Father, bless him. Use him in his place of profession and in his household, bringing forth the life and light and message of Christ continually. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.